Keys. Welcome to episode three of Women of the Wagons. I'm your host, Cass Patterson, Women of the Wagons, where the men aren't the only ones with stories from the wagon trail. This episode is brought to you by Western Financial Group. Western Financial Group is a diversified insurance services company that's focused on creating security and has provided over 1 million Canadians the right protection for more than 100 years. When you need insurance for your home, office, farm, or vehicle, call Western Financial Group and visit westernfinancialgroup.ca. Um, over the past couple of weeks, we've had two amazing Chuck Wagon wives who uh, have come on. They've talked, Caitlin Fike and Brianne Glass, both amazing women to talk to. I feel extremely fortunate to have been able to sit, sit down and uh, have those conversations with them. But the next couple of weeks are going over to the outriding pen, and we are talking to two wives who are outriding wives. Um, next week, we will be talking to Courtney Knight, who is married to outrider Casey Knight. But this week, we're talking to a woman who, in her herself is a superhero. She is a nine-time NFR Contract Act and a two-time PRCA Top 5 Act of the Year nominee. Her name is Madison McDonald Thomas. Now, Madison is a trick rider. She is outstanding. When I say she's a superhero, um, you see her, or really you see any trick rider do some of those uh, different moves or different tricks, and you kind of sit there and wonder, um, okay, do they have a cape? I guess their cape is their horse, um, but she's also married to outrider Keegan Thomas. Now, when we get into this interview, you're going to hear her talk about how she put Keegan on the right path and uh, brought him up to Canada, and uh, that's kind of how he started outriding. Uh, you're also going to hear uh, some noise in the background or us referring to Keegan being there. We were on Zoom for this call, and Keegan was just in the other room, so uh, he wasn't right on the call, but he did have some input, so that was slightly entertaining. So without further ado, we're going to head over to the Treeline Well Services hotline. Treeline Well Services supplies service rigs to the Western Canadian oil and gas industry. Treeline provides high quality crews, equipment and unparalleled customer service for completion, workovers and abandonment needs. Visit treelinewell.com for more information. Treeline Well Services, great iron, even better people. All right, we are on the phone with nine-time NFR Contract Act and two-time PCA, PRCA, Top 5 Act year of the Year nominee, Madison McDonald-Thomas. How are you doing today? I'm very good. How about yourself? I am doing good. Um, I guess before we get into, you know, a little bit later in your life, let's kind of start off with what it was like for you growing up um were you always around horses were you always interested in being a trick rider kind of what what did that look like uh yes I actually I did grow up around horses my entire life um my mom and my dad have had horses since I was well before me anyway so that's always been a big part of um, my family for sure I got uh, a little pony named Snowball when I was three years old so that was kind of my uh, first start into the horse world. And uh, that little pony was one that, uh, yeah, kind of taught me everything. Definitely taught me how to be a rider because he, was, he wasn't the easiest pony, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I just kind of started riding really young. My mom used to work for the Calgary Stampede. She used to be the uh, event, she used to do um, their events for them. And the main thing she used to do was actually the uh, 
Wild West shows that the Calgary Stampede uh, used to put on. And that's where I kind of first saw trick riding and the barrel racing and the whole rodeo world. And that's where I first uh, started, where I started getting interested. And that was probably when I was around four years old is when I know she started taking me to those. So around four years old, you see these women in these spectacular, spectacular outfits. I mean, your guys's outfits are always awesome to look at they're probably my favorite part not that I don't enjoy the rest but the outfits are just really cool <laughs> um but you see that and then what how did it kind of go from there did you start doing trick riding lessons did what did you kind of do yeah uh that was actually kind of exactly how it went I was four and I started uh bugging my mom and dad I said this is something that I wanted to do well they thought I was crazy because I was so young but uh, what kind of just happened is when I was six, my mom uh, had known a whole bunch of people from, you know, hiring them for the Wild West. So, so she had some connections to other trick riders. And so that's how she kind of got me involved is I was lucky enough to have a mom that had those connections. And she, she called actually Jerry Deuce Phillips up at the time and uh, asked if she would take me under her wing and start teaching me because uh, it was something that I had a crazy passion for. And I think I was about six when I first went to her. Her and Nikki Plunger were my first two that I ever kind of gave me, you know, my first little lessons. And then it just kind of grew from there. Now, was it the same back then that it is now that before, before the Chuck Wagon events, the trick riders would come out and kind of do their stuff. And then, you know, the drivers would follow suit and everybody <laughs> would kind of go, okay, they're really pretty and you aren't. So you better <laughs> be able to do the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, I know the Graham sisters performed with the WPCA when I was growing up. I do remember them. They kind of had jumped on uh, with that tour, but honestly, no, I don't think trick riding before them was really a part of the wagons. I could be wrong. I'm sure maybe someone else would correct me. But as far as I know, the Graham sisters were the ones that kind of jumped in there and um, started it. Other than that, trick riding kind of stayed as a, as a rodeo event, as a specialty act event, and, or not an event, but, you know, as a specialty act. And I, I honestly, I'm not too sure the exact answer, but I do know when I was growing up that the Graham sisters were the ones that performed with the wagons all the time. But normally the rest, of, normally the, everyone else just was with the rodeos. So you started when you were six years old. And between then and now, you have had quite the career. Um, just doing research on you, I'm like, holy shoot, what has she not accomplished in her life? <laughs> Um, do you mind talking about that a bit? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it's kind of been a wild ride. I, you know, you don't expect it. Uh, you always dream and hope and set those goals, <clears throat> excuse me, but you don't, you know, it's always amazing when you do reach them. That's for sure. But it's been, it's been an amazing, it's been an amazing ride over the past 20 years. Uh, I, I learned, I, probably when I was about 10 is when I really started to perform. And then once I started performing, I also got involved in rodeo. So I started competing in rodeo as well. So I kind of took on the trick riding, but mainly through my high school and junior years, um, I was <clears throat> high school rodeo in a lot and made it to nationals and roped and did. I <clears throat> always had such a love for everything. And I said, if I was going to do it, I wanted to at least try to learn it all and kind of put my hand into 
to everything, especially if I was going to go to a high school rodeo on a weekend. I wanted to be there and do everything instead of just going and sitting all weekend to do a couple of events. So <clears throat> that's what I just had such a love for rodeo and and I was really thankful that I had done so well in high school rodeo really gave me a lot of connections and then I, I I always trick rode every summer I always had a couple of rodeos and it wasn't until I was probably about 16 17 when I really started venturing down into the states and performing when my trick riding career really started to get a lot busier than um, me rodeoing per se and I was 18, well, 17 when the NFR first called me and asked if I would be interested, and I said yes. Well, then that year they ended up not, it didn't end up working out, which was perfect because I ended up breaking my wrist. So it kind of all <laughs> worked out perfect timing. And then the next year I was 18 and they called me and they said, Would you want to, uh, would you be the act for the NFR? And I was like, Yeah, of course. Like, and I remember to this day I was headed to, um, actually, I was headed to Hannah Pro Rodeo. To run barrels is what I was headed to when they um, they called me, but yeah, they took me in when I was 18, and I have now been performing there for nine consecutive years, and that's what kind of just kickstart my career. I never thought as a Canadian I would go down to, like, come down to the U.S. and my goodness, the places I've been, the people that I've met, the stuff that I've accomplished, like, it's absolutely amazing, and then just seeing how like the NFR, they took me in as kind of one of their own and have really helped me. And everybody down here just, you know, has been amazing in helping me kind of reach the goals that I wanted to reach. But it, it has been, an, it's been a wild ride and it's been so cool. And I never thought at 27, I would still be doing it. My dad laughs at me all the time because he thought that I would be done at high after high school. And that's actually kind of when my career kicked off was once I had graduated high school, I moved down to the States and started performing down here. And man, the last two years, like last year, I was on the road for six months straight and I only had one weekend off. So I never, I always dreamed of having years and seasons like that, but now that it's actually coming true, it's been, it's been pretty cool. Very, very cool. That first time you went to the NFR, I mean, that has to be a little nerve wracking because <laughs> it is such a big event. Like it's almost on, it, not almost, it is almost the same caliber as the Stampede. When you think mm -hmm. about how big it is, how many people watch, like it's, they're kind of the same at the end of the day when it comes to the caliber of event it is. So what was that like? very nerve-wracking <laughs> you know and especially at 18 and being a Canadian and I, I went into a world I didn't know a lot of people in the PRCA back then like I knew a handful but the PRCA is made up of thousands and thousands and thousands of people and so when you first when I first went down there I was I felt like I was really small in a big world and there was a lot of pressure a lot of pressure and a lot of eyes on me because I was young and I kind of came out of nowhere because I'd only been in the PRCAs for two years before they had hired me for the NFR. And that doesn't normally happen. Normally, you know, you kind of have to build, build yourself up down here a little bit more. But they, they took me in. And I will never forget when I rode down that alleyway for the first time. I, was, I, kept, I wasn't really shaken, but it was just, it, it hit you. It was like, oh, my goodness. And honestly... I remember going down the the alleyway, but then the performance was such a blur because <laughs> everything just 
happened so quick and all you wanted to do was make sure you just went in and did your job. I'll never forget my dad looked at me when I came out and he said, well, how was that? And I was like, good, I think, because it was just so quick. It was so hard to take in everything and the energy and the people and you know, it was a dream come true for me. And so all I was doing was just trying to make sure I didn't mess up. I just wanted to do a good job. I didn't want to, I didn't want to fall off. I didn't want, and that's all I had in my head was just go in there, do your job and get done. And I've been so thankful that they've allowed me to come back year after year, because like now when I hit that alleyway, I can, I enjoy it. It, it, the pressure is still there, but it's not like when I started nine years ago with them, they don't have that they don't put that pressure on me because they know what I can do and they trust me now. So now I kind of, we all just kind of get to sit back and enjoy it. So the last four to five years, I have really enjoyed being there because there's pressures. There's always pressures, especially in my job. They always look at you to be perfect. And when you're dealing with a live animal and with what I do, there's a lot of things to uh, put in, in a row to make it perfect. So it, uh, definitely is a feeling that I don't think I'll ever replace that one first time going down to the NFR but I I will say over the years it has been awesome to actually just be able to sit back enjoy it and take it all in because like you said it is it is up there with the Calgary Stampede when it comes to the people and the caliber of the competitors that are there it it is one it is an amazing rodeo to be a part of. I was hoping to get down there this year with Arnie Jackson but I doubt that's happening right now so my sights are set for 2021 I know that's what I keep everyone keeps asking me and I said it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen here in the next couple months with all of our rodeos but hopefully there's an NFR this year I don't know we'll see here in the next couple months so okay getting uh now a little bit more into your personal life how did you and Keegan meet <laughs> uh, we met in Stephenville, actually in college. Uh, everyone loves this story. He, how I first initially met him is, <laughs> I guess, he was the lawn, he worked for a lawn company and came over to our house and would help take care and mow the lawn. And he actually came and helped uh, me clean out my barn when I first moved into our house down here in, into Stephenville. And that's the first time I actually ever met him. But we rodeoed together and we just had mutual friends. and. So that's, that's actually how we met was six, seven years ago. It would have been 2013. We met down here in college. And now from what I've been told, you are the reason that he became an outrider kind of sort of. <laughs> yes. I'm guessing he's there. Yeah, he is. He's sitting over there. I can't see if he's, he's got no facial expressions at the moment, but um, yes, in a roundabout way, uh, I brought him up to Canada. I think the first year we went up there was 2014, and um, I took him to Strathmore because down here, when you talk about the wagons, they look at you like you have two heads because they have no idea what I mean, what we're even talking about. Whereas, like with me, I grew up with them, so like wagon racing was bigger than rodeo in some places and that's what we so it's kind of been it's been pretty funny over the last couple of years introducing a lot of people to the sport but I took him up there and I was like you have got to see this I said this is something that only happens up here and it's my favorite and he loved it he's a competitive person he's always been competitive so when he saw it and saw that it was more of like a team effort like he it really kind of 
um, sparked his interest. But yeah, that was about, that was in 2014 he came up there. And then I guess the first year he rode was 2018. So four years later, we finally got him on the right track to head that way. <laughs> the way we've described it as is it's the Western Canadian special. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because you got Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC. All three have races. Mm-hmm. So it is. Yeah. It's just it's just part it's just part of the tradition there, and it, it's just I love it. I, it's been so much fun actually introducing a lot more people down here to it, and a lot of people this summer because Keegan was you know was supposed to be coming back this summer after a surgery last year. And uh, we had a lot of people planning on coming up for Calgary and Pinocchio and stuff because it's something that until you see it in person, it's just really hard to, you know, videos and you can explain it all you want, but that you just have to watch it in person to really understand it. You have to feel that earth shake from those hooves and just <laughs> feel that atmosphere completely go up. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Um, so 2018, uh, Keegan gets on the right track and he becomes a part of Chuck Wagon Racing. You're competing, or you're not competing, but you're doing shows at the same time. How does that work? You guys are almost doing two different schedules, but at the same time, you're meeting up in some places. Uh, it was hard. It was definitely hard in 2018 because we were going to two completely different ways. And then like with me, I book out shows years and years in advance. So sometimes I may be in Kentucky that year, or sometimes I may be in Texas. So it's, it's always a juggling thing. It actually worked out extremely well the year that uh, he decided to actually jump on with the wagons. It was because I'd actually booked a lot of Canadian rodeos that summer and that hadn't normally hadn't happened in years. But um, I ended up doing quite a few Canadian rodeos. So it made are traveling a little bit easier uh it's just we just have learned we have two trailers and sometimes you know we just have to go opposite ways or carpool with other people and just and stuff like that so we've been it's been easy to like to be able to make it work but it's uh definitely some it was stressful that year to juggle the two of us in our schedules because like i said we were on completely part different parts of the planet a few times you made a post um I, the day that uh, Pinocchio announced that they were canceling, um, or was it the day after? But that's the show that you guys seem to be able to meet up at. Being able to be at those same shows and you get to trick ride and then Keegan gets to go do his thing. What are those shows like? Those are pretty special. Uh, it's not very often that we're both in the same place at the same time. So to be able for me to be able to actually get to watch him is so much fun instead of watching it on the screen or listen. I love listening to the radio, but like I said, it's never the same unless you're in person. So the fact that I actually got to be there and support him and watch him was amazing. It makes our life a lot less stressful when we're in the same place at the same time compared to being too far. Because to both of us, like we both do high risk, dangerous things. So it, we, I think, get a little bit more nervous about both of us being on separate parts of the country and if something happens it's not that easy just to jump in and you know <laughs> in case someone gets hurt or something like that so other than that you know Pinocchio was very very special we had a few that year we had Pinocchio we had Saskatoon and I think we had Strathmore so that was and it was a very it was a very special year especially with it being his rookie year um you touched on something there both are very high intensity jobs 
Um, Chuck Wiggins is a little bit different because, I mean, if someone gets hurt, it seems to be the Outriders band together and someone will go check on them. Like, it, there's always going to be someone there to check on their fellow Outrider. But your sport is a little bit different because you're by yourself in a lot of senses. Um, so if something happens, I mean, kind of, is there a process for that? Like, is there contingency plans? Yes. Um, when I teach and how I was taught, you kind of always are, you always go over everything that could go wrong. So you kind of have yourself prepared on if this happens, I need to do this. So you kind of give yourself a heads up because when things do go wrong, it goes wrong fast. So you kind of have to be able to, um, to figure it out kind of thing. But normally like when I do practice, when I do perform by myself, uh, it is a little bit more nerve wracking because like there is nobody else in that arena, but I trust, I kind of, I've been doing it for 20 some years. So unless like a horse falls or a piece of equipment fails me, I, I the idea of like, a serious wreck happening doesn't really cross our minds that much uh and also depend like when I have the other it's nice when you do have other people in that arena with you because then if something does happen somebody else is there for your horse to run to or you know you you just kind of got more hands in the arena but I did have a horse like usually with us when a horse falls or something happens there's not much other people can do unless you're hung up and dragging other than that, you kind of just learn how to tuck and roll or how to get your foot out or how to get away from them. And then you just got to catch your horse <laughs> and get back on. And if everyone is good, just keep going. If not, then, you know, you just adjust the show from there. But I will say like the wagons, Keegan used to ride saddle bronc horses a lot too. And I'll take him riding the outriding horses over those, uh, over the saddle bronc, because at least with the outriding, there's a lot that can happen, but you're not getting on something that is deliberately trying to get you to the ground. <laughs> That's something that both of us, and I think especially it, a lot of it comes from the trick riding, because you, you gotta, well, we work with horses so much, I can't even just say the trick riding between, um, I train horses for other people. We train colts a lot. We were always constantly have a project, it seems like, around here. And, and you just learn horses. And especially with me, the trick riding, I really had to learn their personalities. Every horse has a different personality. And you, you just learn, like with me, I have to find so much trust in my horses. And they got to be able to trust me to be able to hang off the side of them. To, so they know I'm not hurting them. And I know that they're not going to hurt me. And that's the same, like I watch Keegan all the time deal with them. We've got some pretty crazy ones. And I will say he's, if you can keep your energy calm and you know how to read a horse, it is pretty crazy what you can, what you can do with them. Now, do you have a favorite horse that you've either worked with or done trick riding with? Or like, do you have one of those? I don't know if you've li listened to After in the Ninth, but our example I always use is Logan Gorst has Canadian Idol. That's like his all-star horse. So do you have one of those? Well, I have one right now, and his name is Vegas. He's 20 this year, and I've been trick riding on him since, he, since 2011. So about nine years I've had this horse, and this horse is definitely my rock right now. If anything happens to him, we'd be in a lot of trouble because he's one that I can jump on and literally put in any show, any arena, anything, and, and he'd do it. 
I had one when I was growing up that I think will trump any horse that I'll ever, anyone, his name was Pal. And he was my very first official trick riding horse. And that horse also took me to nationals in pole bending um, in junior high and in the National High School Rodeo Association. So he, he won me every buckle that I ever have ever won. And he took me all across the world, even trick riding as well. He took me to Toronto and California. And so I think that little horse from when I was growing up is, he will be my all time favorite for life because there'll never be another one because he was my first one. But the one that I've got right now, Vegas, he's definitely a pretty good second place to him. I like the name. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. We got so many. I've got, I take three or four with me on the road, usually in the summer. So like I've got, I got a lot of amazing special horses. So it is always hard to just pick one, but those two have, and I even have a mare named Chick who's opened up. She was the first one that I had at the NFR that would let me run around all that crazy pyro and stuff that blows off in the middle. And she's retired now, but I used to rope on her all through high school rodeo too. So I've had I've had a good a handful of horses that have been super special to me and that I owe them a lot for my career because if it wasn't for them man I wouldn't have been able to do half the stuff that I wanted to do. So you talked about it a little bit you guys work a lot with horses um, and Keegan has a business I'm trying to remember the name right now I know it's double something. Double really arrow. With- Thank you. <laughs> I'm really bad with names. (laughs) That's okay. Um, How does that work? Like, I know a little bit about it, but do you mind, uh, I don't know if you work with him on that or if that's strictly his, but do you mind talking a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, he, uh, he started it in 2016. He, when he went to college, he always wanted to be like sports medicine. He loved anything to do with sports and training and, and rehab and stuff, but he went through, changed his degree a few times. Anyways, long story short, when we got out of college, he decided that it was something that he was interested in, was trying to work with horses and use some of his, some of his um, college education to help him. And he went and took a course in Brock, Texas, which was just next door, next door to us and learned the whole massage therapy and um, he does do some like we call it natural alignment because he adjusts them through stretching it's not like a full-on chiropractor he kind of goes about it a different way and he started that back in 2016 and i was super thankful because with my horses uh he was able to fix a lot of problems that we had had over the years and then it has been amazing just to sit back because i i go with him all the time and help him as much as I can and because uh, it, it's nice to have two hands um, sometimes extra hands helping him hold those horses but it has been amazing to watch him uh, fix some of the problems that he's been faced with over the years with horses and that there's been a few people that have come to him as being their last resort like the vets can't figure out what's wrong and whatnot and then I've seen him I've seen him save quite a few horses fix quite a few horses and it has been pretty cool to watch like that that's that's something that's pretty special to see how he's he's definitely has a special touch when it comes to comes to comes to that because he can walk up to a horse and look at him and see where they're sore or just like watch him walk out and he's like well this is probably you know this is what's wrong and this is what's wrong and and that takes a special eye to be able to do that I've been around horses my whole life but 
you've got to understand the whole mechanics of a body and the muscles and the and how everything's set up and that's something that he he's very good at and very knowledgeable when it comes to all of it you kind of touched on something there um as a horse owner yourself if keegan wasn't your husband what are the benefits that you see from having someone like him come in and work with a horse well, I actually had lots of people come in and work on my horses even before Keegan started all of this. So I've been doing this um, since I lived in Alberta. I have had a lady come in and do, um, maybe not to the full extent, is like how everybody does it different. Everybody's got a different style, right? And everybody's got a different tactic, but you're all, they're all after the same goal. So not everybody does things the same, but I've had people working on my horses for years. And I, my mom and dad were always big into it. They're always you know, big on trying to go somewhere else before you take them to a vet, because I, I've always looked at horses like us as be like athletes, you know, we get out, we get sore, we get stiff, we go to massage therapist, we go get chiropractic so we can move again. And I look at what we do to some of these, you know, ask what these horses to do for us to hold, to pull, to turn quick and stuff. And you think about your body and you're like, oh man, <laughs> I would hurt, you know, I would go out if I did that. So I'm sure you're hurting somewhere or stiff or sore and need to be stretched out. So that's how like I've always looked at it. And I just had a hard time finding people that kind of did massage and then kind of adjusted after because that's where you get a better result. And uh, it does make a difference. And I tell everybody, I said, even if... <laughs> Even if Keegan wasn't my husband, I would tell like, this is something that everybody needs to do. And it's not because it's a part of our life. It was a part, it was a part of my life before even Keegan and I had gotten married because it was a lifesaver for me. It, it helped my horses and it, it made a big difference in all of them. So I tell people all the time, if, if they're sore, or if, you, if you notice something different, go get them checked out because they may just be out somewhere. They may just be hurting somewhere where it's annoying them enough that they don't want to work. So we always, I think it is a, something that everybody should kind of have in their back pocket. Now you touched on it. Um, you yourself are an athlete. <laughs> you are doing multiple different things on this horse and your body is being contorted into all these different angles and positions and that. How do you keep your own personal fitness up so that you can do that? Well, um, <laughs> our life, our everyday activities kind of keep me pretty, uh, pretty active and keep me pretty in shape. And especially when Keegan had his shoulder surgery last summer, he, he loved it because he kept saying, you know, Maddie, if you keep doing this, you're going to be in, you can pull out those new tricks that you've been wanting to do for a while because you're getting stronger. <laughs> and <laughs> he pulled that card all summer, but I will say at the end of the summer, I was doing tricks that I never thought that I could get done, but I had I had gotten a lot stronger just from carrying hay, carrying water buckets. Uh, we work out a little bit. Keegan has worked, works out very diligently. Time is a hard thing for us, you know, to always get a proper workout in. So if I don't have time to get like a proper physical like workout, I will make things a lot more difficult. I'll make my chores more difficult. I'll make everything more difficult just so then I'm working out as I'm doing my chores and not having, you know, to take extra time to do a full workout. The biggest thing now, especially with both of us getting a little bit older, is stretching. I notice more, um, my strength stays pretty, um, 
pretty level uh, nowadays, but I just, both of us, it's more the stretching now to make sure that our, we can keep ourselves in one piece. <laughs> uh, I, it's funny, I heard a uh, driver last year, um, it was at the runoff and we were sitting watching it and um, Peyton Bensmiller, mm -hmm. she was trick riding yeah. and the driver I was sitting with looked at me and said, well, if a trick rider ever wanted to be an outrider, they could win that job any day. Just hop on my horse. <laughs> so if you ever retire, there is a job for you. <laughs> uh, I told Keegan that all the time. And I, but I told him, I said, you know what? I would do it if there was no other wagons in that arena. I would have no problem being an outrider. But I was like, I do not want to be in there when things go south. I'm sorry. I love y'all. And I'm glad it's you guys. But... I've been, I, I love speed and I told him, I said, if I didn't have to deal with all the chaos in there, I would probably be really good at it. But I was like, I'm just going to let you guys keep that job and I'll keep mine. But I love, I love racehorses. I love those thoroughbreds. I would jump on them and ride them all the time if I could. But I just, I think I'll probably stay out of the uh, arena when, <laughs> when they go to competition time. <laughs> You can you can just teach them how to jump on that horse. You you can work with them on that. Well, that was actually kind of the problem when Keegan started is because Keegan used he would help me teach all the time. He'd watch me do it for years. I'd always would get him to help me teach. And when he first started, he used to jump all the way over the horses. He would get too much lift, and he would jump all the way over. And the Chance Benzmiller and them used to give him trouble because he would grab the horn too, like like a trick rider would because that's how he was always to teach people and then everybody's like quit being a trick rider and go back because and then he had to actually teach himself to not jump so hard because when he first started he was flying he would fly over all the horses so it was pretty fun it does it like the trick it does help the trick riding it did help him a lot but yeah it's kind of funny how much the two actually go side by side <laughs> it's like finding that balance <laughs> All right, so this is the fun part, and uh, this is the part that I enjoy because, you know, sometimes uh, you get to throw your other half under the uh, chuck wagon. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's probably sitting over there going, Cass, I already do not like you. <laughs> so it's called Venus versus Mars. So I'm going to ask you a question. And the answer is either going to be you or Keegan, and you can elaborate if you want, or we can just move on. Okay. All right. We can do this. All right. Uh, I'm going to start off really easy. Who asked who out? Keegan. <laughs> Did I get that one right? <laughs> All right. Um, who is the better driver? Keegan, he's going to say that, <laughs> but no, Keegan, definitely. He drives a lot more than me. He always picks the driver's seat first, but yes, Keegan. <laughs> Who's more likely to get a speeding ticket? Probably me. Yeah. yeah, I would say me, definitely me. I like, and especially when I go back to Alberta from being down here, I speed everywhere because the speed limits are so slow up there. And they're like 120 everywhere down here. And then I go up. The, yeah. When I come to Alberta, I get in pretty close calls a lot. 
do, do you find that was a culture shock going from Alberta down to Texas and then when you come back up is it their culture shock there in certain things not always I find Alberta and Texas are pretty similar in a lot of ways that's why I think I love Texas as much as I do um but yes like the way our cult like we do have different cultural differences but um I don't it's not as bad as some other states that I've been to but Yes, it, there is some, but the speed limit is a big one. <laughs> You're like, pedal to the metal. Oh, shoot. No, I can't do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Who was more stubborn? Keegan. Definitely Keegan's more stubborn. <laughs> Hard-headed. <laughs> who, is more, who is most likely to start a fight? Oh, shoot start a fight yeah I don't know I think we're both pretty even on that one neither of us like to fight so if it's all avoidable then then we avoid it but yeah I was neither of us really like to we don't want to start fights <laughs> so that's a good thing you're like me rock paper scissors K you're right let's let's leave with that <laughs> if we can't talk about it then yeah we got a problem <laughs> Who's the better cook? <laughs> oh, whatever. Keegan, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It depends on what we're cooking. I can say, oh, don't. Yes, it totally depends on what we're cooking. Uh, okay. What are you good taught, at cooking? He taught me a lot with spice. I will say that when you marry a Texan, you better learn how to have flavor in their food. And coming from Alberta, where we use salt and pepper and seasoning salt as most of our seasonings, you come down here and yeah, no, you got to add a lot more between garlic powder, garlic. So I learned a lot. So I will say that Keegan is, I, yeah, he's a good cook. He likes a few of my dishes. I got a few that I have from home that he'll ask me to cook every now and again, but yeah, I think he wins that one. <laughs> Who's the more romantic one? Oh man, <laughs> he has got his hand up. <laughs> I wish you could have a video seeing us too. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Keegan, he's more of the romantic one in the, the two of us, I would say, yeah. It's okay, Dayton is already planning on having you both on a Skype call one day and then he gets to answer questions too and he gets, Dayton gets to ask the questions. So Keegan, we are making it so you can have a say here. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a good one too, it'll be pretty entertaining I think. <laughs> um, and then final question, who is more likely to let a horse get away with being stubborn? Neither. I think if one person couldn't get it accomplished, they'd give it to the other person and say, here, you try to get it accomplished because I give, I'm not getting in there. <laughs> That's normally how it works. <laughs> um, yeah, if we have a problem horse, like, yeah, one of us will probably usually pretty much go until the, until you get frustrated and then you're like, all right, your turn. I'm done for a minute. I need a breather. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I never got, I was never allowed when I, well, I can't say that. 
all the horses that my mom and dad liked to get me were all stubborn. So I had to learn from a very young age to not let them get away with it. And I remember so many times, like my pony used to run down to the other end of the Millerville Indoor Arena and in the dead of winter, I'd be in my big snowsuit and he would just run down there, stop and lay down for no reason. He would do that all the time. Like I used to have the most trouble ponies and horses. So yeah, I think I learned at a young age that I had to not let them get away with their stubbornness. <laughs> See, I was the opposite. I always, I, I was very spoiled with my pony. Her name was Carousel. And when I started riding, I did, um, I did pony club, but we had those competitions where you had to like walk over the, walk over the poles and everything. And mm -hmm. I was sliding and she could tell I was falling and my cousin was pulling her like, stop like come on and I fell <laughs> and my cousin realized she's like okay we're gonna listen from to her from now on and I was like I don't know why you're getting mad at her that normally doesn't happen you don't normally listen to the pony <laughs> yeah no I, I always have that memory and I always throw it out there when I need to because I'm like yeah nope there are some horses that are very smart <laughs> Yes, there are. Uh, Got to find them. Well, that was perfect. Thank you so much for doing this and uh, for letting me uh, interrupt your day and bringing you on to Zoom. No worries. It was awesome. I'm glad we got to, it feels nice since we've been kind of stuck in Alberta and or stuck in Texas since this whole quarantine thing has happened. We're both uh, missing Alberta and missing the wagons and Definitely going to miss them this season. We were both pretty excited to see everybody again. So just hoping that we all can get through this and be back together next year. But I'm so glad I got to talk to you today. It makes me feel like I'm a little bit closer to home. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I will talk to you sometime soon. Have a good one. Sounds good. Bye, Cass. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Madison, for joining us on Women of the Wagons. Uh, that was the Treeline Well Services hotline. Treeline Well Services supplies service rigs to the Western Canadian oil and gas industry. Treeline provides high-quality crews, equipment, and unparalleled customer service for completion, workovers, and abandonment needs. Visit treelinewell.com for more information. Treeline Well Services, great iron, even better people. And uh, talking about great people, Madison was amazing to talk to. I really don't didn't know much about trick riding. And in truth, I didn't know a whole lot about her background before heading into this interview. The great thing about doing prep for these episodes is I'm learning so much about these women. And then uh, once we actually sit down and have these conversations, that knowledge expands and they, they have incredible stories to tell. Um, the fact she went to university or college in the States was actually quite interesting to me, not something I knew. Um, but it's interesting to find out that really her career did not start until after she moved down there and after she went to the States. So that is uh, kind of cool for me to learn. And I mean, there's just, there's so much to unpack in that interview. Um, after we stopped rolling, of course, we kept talking because I tend to do that for some reason. Um, and I learned that Maddie grew up just outside of Calgary. I knew that before, but I didn't realize that her career, where she says her career really started, was at the Okotoks Egg Center. I've driven past there a thousand times and it's very interesting to kind of be able to see where these people started uh, going from the Okotoks Egg Center to then she's 
gone and performed at the NFR, which in itself, like I said, it's on the same caliber as the Calgary Stampede. Um, Calgary doesn't have the Trick Riders. Uh, I'm not 100% sure why, but they don't. But it's very cool to see that uh, she's able to go down there and she's able to go perform. And in a lot of senses, she represents Canada and she represents Western Canada and this little community that we have and this amazing community that we have. So uh, that to me is very interesting to know. Uh, another fun fact I learned is she credits uh, her trick riding or parts of her trick riding to her 10 years of dance. Uh, she went to a small dance studio in Okotoks and she uh, says that those 10 years of dance are a part of why she can do some of the tricks and she credits it for a lot of what she does so that is uh it's interesting to for me to hear um and it's interesting to see uh to just see her sit down and have this conversation with me and just be able to learn about this part of our little community that truthfully I didn't know a whole lot about. So I'm very thankful for her. Uh, maybe we will get Keegan on after the ninth here eventually or Maddie and Keegan. Uh, I have a feeling that would be quite the interesting episode as uh, I think he wanted to jump in more than once when we were interviewing and doing this conversation. Uh, and he had fun, I think, jumping in on the uh, Venus versus Mars and putting his two cents in. Uh, but yeah, that is is episode three of Women of the Wagons. Episode three, of course, is brought to you by Western Financial Group. Western Financial Group is a diversified insurance services company that's focused on creating security and has provided over 1 million Canadians the right protection for more than 100 years. When you need insurance for your home, office, farm, or vehicle, call Western Financial Group and visit westernfinancialgroup.ca. And that is it for episode three of Women of the Wagons. If you need or are wanting more Chuck Wagon podcast content, make sure to check out this week's episode of Outside the Wagon with Brian Hebson. That is your backstage pass to the WPCA. This week, Brian sat down with Aubrey Mottawillo and they talked about, well, pretty much everything from the start of Aubrey's career to why he shops local and so much more. Later on in the week after the ninth, the latest episode should be out. We interviewed Ray Crotto Jr. That was quite the interesting uh, interview. Dayton and him had a lot to talk about. Uh, I, uh, I was a fly on the wall for that conversation and it's always interesting. That's probably part of my one of my favorite parts about After the Ninth is that I get to be a fly on the wall for a lot of these conversations. So, of course, After the Ninth, your insider Chuck Wagon podcast. If you haven't already, go check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and also head over to AfterTheNinth.com for your latest podcast information. Check out the WPCA, of course, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. And for the latest news on the WPCA, head over to the WPCA.com to stay caught up there. Until next week, I'm Cass Patterson. Pack up your bags. You pack up your bags. And throw me the key.